Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. In today's special episode, we get to hear from two special guests. And it's Cantor Freedom, NBA basketball player turned human rights advocate, and Jeff King, president of International Christian Concern. We got the chance to sit down with them this week in the nation's capital at the International Religious Freedom Summit 2022. Ennis Cantor Freedom, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. You've had quite a journey, right, from the NBA, and now you're seen as a human rights activist. So to begin, what's the biggest response you've had, both negative and positive? Well, I think the more positive than negative. I mean, obviously, when you talk about some of the uncomfortable situations that are happening in our world, and when the organization you spend 11 years, you spend your whole life with, that... Uh, that got tied up billions of dollars. Unfortunately, they're not going to like that a lot. But you know what? This is bigger than basketball. This is bigger than NBA. And this is bigger than uh, myself. So I believe what I'm standing up for is worth it. When you kind of started on your journey of, say, activism, your managers warned you not to, right? They're like, you have all these deals with Nike. You can't mention China. So what, you know, kept you going? The first day I started to talk about the problems that happened in China, my agent actually warned me and say, listen, I don't work for the NBA, I work for you. So um, if you don't say a word ever again, people are probably going to forget about this and you can go out there and say you were not educated enough. You maybe want to take your tweet down and you might want to say sorry, then you'll be good. But if you say another word, you are not going to get another contract after this. This is it. This is your last year. And I was like, I cannot believe that my literally agent telling me, saying that this is it, it's over, just because of I talk about the issues. He said all the owners, players, organizations, and NBA is going to act like they care about the social justice, but you're not getting another contract. I was like, you know what? It's okay. Because I was seeing the hypocrisy of not just in NBA, but you see Hollywood. You see how China is taking over Wall Street, academias, big tech, Congress, local Congress. And I was like, someone, have to open, someone has to open this door to let everyone know what's going on. So given all these areas, say Hollywood, Wall Street, massive companies, NBA, how come you found the courage to really stand up? Well, because when I was in Turkey, you know, unfortunately, some of the things that I talk about, my family was really affected. My dad was in jail. Um, you know, they've been very... They had a really, I don't want to go into details, but they had a very uh, rough time in Turkey. And I remember my mom told me, stand up for what you believe in, even if it means sacrificing everything. So I was like, you know, I understand money, amazing, cool, endorsement deals, shoe sales, jersey sales is amazing. But is it really more important than people li pe pe people's lives? I don't think so. So I'm like, this is bigger than myself. I know at the end I might, might be able to play another five, six years, but I can't be going to sleep in peace when I know other side of the ocean people are losing their loves, loved ones and losing their lives. So this is, this is way bigger than that. So I, I don't have any regrets. When it comes to the Chinese Communist Party, China right now, anyone of faith, really any faith, right? Muslims, Christians, all these other spiritual disciplines, they really can't practice their faith. So the State Department has designated them a country of particular concern since 1999, and the situation hasn't really changed. So going forward, do you see any changes happening for the good? Not with this mentality. Not with this world leaders, uh, the leaders in the West only condemning 
about what's going on. I don't want to hear condemning. I don't want to hear diplomatic boycott. I don't want to hear, oh yeah, there are human rights violations are happening in, uh, in China. And so, like, what are you doing to take some real actions? We don't need condemning. We have enough condemning till this year. Like, it's 2022. You know, people are so sick of hearing, oh, yeah, we are condemning about what's going on, all the human rights violations are happening in China. Whenever I sit down with, with a world leader or with a congressman, with a senator, I'm like, I need you to take some actions because enough is enough. When you, while you're condemning, there are people are dying over there. So that's why we started to put legislation out there, bills out there to stop this uh, genocide. On that note, what are some of the real actions that can be implemented that maybe, say, average people could help? Well, the average people, everyone asks me this question. I don't have an MBA platform. I don't have millions of followers. What can I do? It's so simple. When you pick up an item, it says made in China, put it down. That is the least you can do. You know, that is the first thing you can do. And then later on, educate yourself. So you can start educating your family, your street, your neighborhood, and then your teammates, your classmates, or whoever you are. I think before you talk, you definitely sit down and educate yourself first so you can educate uh, others. But uh, the least you can do, you see Made in China, put it down. When it comes to your shoes that have artwork and say the genocide, the organ harvesting, were you expecting such a big response to them? Well, I remember when I was a kid, like I said, you know, the, whenever I watched an NBA game, the first thing I was watching was the shoes, what color they are, what brand it is, if they're comfortable. The next day I was going to my dad, I'm like, Dad, I want these shoes. Um, I wanted to create these shoes to inspire kids, young generations, because if you want to have a better and brighter future, we have to educate our kids. So now, whenever I remember when I, when I play basketball, whenever I go to a different arena, Everybody was, they did not care about the game. They were focusing on which shoes I'm going to wear next. So that's why. And I also want to actually put the uh, shoes in an auction in one day, actually collect the money and give it back to the community. And you mentioned earlier this year how all the COVID lockdowns in Shanghai kind of really brought to light the extreme measures the Chinese Communist Party does and that you've been talking about for years. But do you see maybe a tide shifting in people recognizing that threat? I think more and more every year, people are recognizing what's going on. You know, the, whenever I go on um, social media or whenever I go on these websites, uh, people finally, you know, outside of China, obviously, talking about some real problems, how Chinese government treated, like Shanghai and other stuff, Beijing, their people and their animals too. How Chinese government abusing their people and it's unacceptable. So I feel like, first of all, we need to wake people up from the outside so we can put pressure to people from the inside, you know? But uh, I am very hopeful for the future. I am very hopeful for the future, but I just we just need to push these lawmakers to take some actions. Bouncing off the lockdowns that really brought to light issues with the supply chains, from the economic standpoint, there's always kind of been that issue, right? People look at China, they're like, world's second largest economy, we need the money, kind of sidestepping, turning a blind eye to human rights. Do you see a change happening there where companies maybe have to hold the Chinese regime accountable? Well, that's the one thing that breaks my heart the most. Whenever I, whenever I see a Muslim country with a, with a Muslim leader 
which they love to call themselves the, the, the leader of the Muslim world. They talk about all the problems that are happening around the world. But when it comes to one specific topic, China, they stay in silence because of the economy they have, because of billions of dollars are involved, because of the road that China is building. But is it really more important than that three, four million people are getting killed or tortured or raped every day? So sit down and think about it. Um, I think the, if you put more pressure, the people are going to finally start to understand what's right and what's wrong. So since the Holocaust especially, there's been the saying, never again, right? And a lot of human rights activists are mentioning it seems to keep happening. So what will it really take so that never again really is never again? I feel like the, the whole world needs to come together. United Nations needs to come together. Unfortunately, uh, they kind of run by China. Uh, G7 needs to come together. And all the you know democratic countries needs to come together and say enough is enough. And I'm not just talking about China. I'm talking about other dictatorships around the world. You know, we might not feel it here, but on the other side of the world, people are having their toughest time in their life because of the authoritarianism is on the rise in our time. So we have to do something about it. We have to take some immediate uh, actions. And any last words you'd like to add? Uh, well, all the especially kids out there, young generation out there watching this is like always stand up for what you believe in, even if it means sacrificing everything, because what you're doing is, is way bigger than, you know, standing up, standing up for innocent people is way bigger than everything that you can ever uh, gain from materialistic uh, world, but do, do what's right. I think you're so, a wonderful example of that. You. So thank you I so much. That. Thank you, Tiffany. That was an Cantor Freedom, NBA basketball player turned human rights advocate. And joining us after the break, Jeff King, president of International Christian Concern. He touches on the biggest differences between the U.S. and China when it comes to human rights. That and more in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Joining us now, Jeff King, president of International Christian Concern. He touches on the biggest differences between the U.S. and China when it comes to human rights. Let's dive in. Jeff King, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Tiffany, thank you so much. So I actually want to begin with your own story. It's interesting. I don't, I mean, if we have two hours, I can go through my whole story. I'm sure you're absolutely interested. But, you know, I grew up in an atheist family. So all the more strange. And then I found a Bible, and 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 really, it was it's the story of uh, why Ch why China can't why the Marxists can't stamp out Christianity because there was something in there. I knew there was a God, and I wanted to find Him. And anyways, I came to find God. I was involved in a missions group running around the world, and uh, I was mostly going to closed countries, including China, and helping with movements. Um, and then. Um, you know, it's a long story, but I had this miraculous dream where I, uh, there was a business owner that I was dreaming about, and he died, and all his workers were asking me to come work with them. And, and right after that, I woke up, and an old friend called, and they said, I, we're familiar with this organization. Their founder just dropped dead, and all I can think is you're the guy that's supposed to run this thing. 
that's how I got involved in International Christian Concern. It's a it's an amazing story. So, a story of, of God working in the heart. And so, Jeff, you mentioned how part of that involved working in China. So what exactly did you do in China? Well, back then, we were working, we were honestly working with churches around the world that wanted to bring the gospel to different countries and how to do it without destroying the church movements within within the country. Because the Americans can come over there and they can be well-meaning, but um, they can totally create a lot of either bad press or bring the government agents involved and get them get them focused on a local church. So we were teaching churches how to be a help and not a hindrance, not blow things up for the local church in whatever country. So, so what were maybe some of the biggest differences you saw in, say, churches there and here in the U.S.? Oh, my gosh. So here's a story to tell you. So this is when I was, this is uh, with my organization now. So one of my earliest trips, I said, I want to meet pastors that have been in prison for 10 plus years. And so we sat down, uh, I sat down with, I don't even know what the number was, six, seven uh, pastors, men and, men and women, and they had been in prison from anywhere for 10 to 20 plus years for their faith. And I'll, I'll, I'll get in tears if I talk about it too much. But what I saw, you know, I asked them, I asked them about persecution. And they said, persecution is a gift. It's one we would never wish on anybody. But it keeps us pure and it keeps us clean to God. And I said, what would the Chinese church be without persecution? And they said, you would see a church without any real power. Their people, uh, their speakers would be running around. They'd be famous and run from church to church, but wouldn't have any power from God. They wouldn't really know him. There'd be no anointing. And I thought they were talking about the U.S. church. I thought they knew. And I asked them, I said, are you, do you know about the U.S. church? And they said, no, these were just simple people, farm pastors, and had been in prison for forever. But they got to the essence. So they're... With persecution comes a great desire for God, a great clinging to God, and that gives them great power. So of all the churches I visit in the world, there's two countries that are my favorites, and it's Cuba and China, both run by Marxist states, both horribly persecuted. But all that persecution did was to create something so pure and powerful that it spreads like wildfire. And so this is why I always say that, you know, the dictators, what are they thinking? What is Xi thinking? Why would you crush the church? The more you do, the more you spread the church. You, they need to look back at history and say, what was the church when we took over and now what is it? And now the church, the Chinese church is at a place where it is exporting missionaries, Chinese missionaries to the world. And much of the world, much of Christendom, when they know, when they understand, are in awe of the Chinese church because of the fervor uh, and the, the, the fervency, the fervor, the purity of the church, love of God and spreading, spreading the message. So... It's amazing. I love the Chinese church. On the note of the Chinese church, it seems, especially from an outside perspective, right? It's like the Chinese Communist Party says they're atheist, and then you have these state-sanctioned churches. You have, you know, pictures of Xi Jinping and <laughs> the Bible that has been seen by and yes. corrected by the party. Yes. And then you have underground churches. So from an outside perspective, how do you balance those two? Yeah, well, it, this is this is kind of a long-running discussion because I think a lot of churches— uh, uh, said we're going to kind of play along with the system maybe to survive or if you look at the Catholic Church you know they made an agreement they made a compromise with the party 
and I think they said we've been around for you know almost 2,000 or we've been around for 2,000 years and we're going to outlast this regime. So instead of all the Catholic churches being shut down, we will do an agreement and we will carry on and the gospel will carry on even if it's not what we want for now. So that's the Catholic Church. Um, and for many, I think most would say that, look, the fervency is not in the three self church. They're in the three self churches, there are a lot of, there's a lot of good ones, but they are controlled. And who is on the wall? Whose picture is on the wall? It's not Jesus, it's Jesus. And what's that book circulating? <laughs> you know, his thoughts. So it's a farce, obviously, and it's a comical farce for a dictator to do this. It's actually comical, and I don't think he gets the joke. So the, I think the, the most fervent Christians, they migrate to the underground church. They migrate to the unregistered churches, and that's where the real fervency is. And that's where they'll pay the price, but they're willing to do it because this great desire to be with God and to tell others what they found. They find the answer to life, and they're like, we cannot keep this secret to ourselves. We must tell others. So. Speaking of that desire, Ambassador Brownback has written in the past that the Chinese Communist Party is at war with faith, and it's a war they won't win. So what is it about the faith that terrifies this regime so much? Well, I think it, at its heart, it's, 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 there's a couple models I use to describe uh, the Marxists. And on the one hand, they're very clearly a mafia. What does a mafia do? It rules by power. It's all about money, greed, power, violence, and they control the community or the state around them by those means, by bribes, by power, by threats, intimidation, killing, um, and all for their little club. For their tiny little club, they are a parasite on society. But there's the, the strange thing with a Marxist regime is that as much as they say there is no God, they set themselves up as a God. Now, I think on the one hand, it's very clear that they will co-opt uh, uh, theology. They will co-opt religious, the religious impulse in human beings. And so they set themselves up as a god. But at the same time, there's something more than that where I think they really believe it. There it's like we are the thing to be worshipped, and they can't tolerate another thing being worshipped. There's something spiritual going on. And I always say, go if, if you want to see the, the purest form of this, you go to North Korea where they purposefully copied Christianity with Juche theology. It was all purposeful, it was all thought out, but again, it's clearly a religious system, and yet there is no God and there's no religion, or religion's an evil thing, but they create religion. It seems especially nowadays there's a struggle between, say, economic benefits and maybe yeah. maintaining your own morals, especially on the individual or company level. As people look at China, they're like, this is a massive market, you know, world's second largest economy, 1.4 billion people, they're like, so much money. How can people and companies balance that relationship? Is there a way? I don't, I don't know. You know, at the large corporate level, you know, you understand what they're doing, and yet it is always a mystery to me. What, what is going on? Who doesn't understand who these people are? This, these parasites, they're violent. They're, they're enemies of everybody, you know, and they're just totally exist for themselves. And they are hostile towards every other government. Um, they are spying and stealing everything. Um, so, and they're just the enemies of democracy. They're the enemies of life. Um, so who supports them? Who in right conscience can support them? And, it, and so it's fascinating to me that what is going on in the world? Stand up, understand, and they hold the power like we are the market. 
And if we would stand together and say, we just can't have this, it's much, but it's much like the Soviet Union. They're constantly at work, they're bribing, they're doing all kinds of things, buying influence, suppressing news. So their game has gone on for a long time. But in the, in the end, I think what we see, you look at the Soviet Union, it's like that urge for freedom, the urge for God, the urge for freedom. These things are, are unstoppable forces. So they can hold on for a time, but in the end, those, uh, you know, that which can't sustain itself will not be sustained. It'll break. The system will break. It's so unnatural. So, but I just wish more companies would stand up and say, we can't do this. And that, that the democracies would unite more and say, we can't do this. You know, we've got to stand and we've got to stand for freedom and for life and we to, to protect all the slaves of the Marxist system. And expanding on that, Jeff, what would be some maybe actionable steps that people, companies, maybe even countries can do to really stand up, as you say, against this and maybe work together for religious freedoms? Well, I think, I think COVID, first of all, is one thing that's kind of forced the West to wake up to say, oh, my gosh, economically, this system does not work. So you think of Europe, by the way, at war with Russia, essentially through a proxy state and with Ukraine. And all of a sudden, they realize that Russia's got them because of energy. So it's the same with us. You see, every, you know, we closed down, the West closed down all their manufacturing and shipped it over to China. And now we are in one of everything. And it's very clear uh, uh, the danger to democracies, that we are beholden to them and we are on the hook. So you see, I think the Biden administration has put a lot of money into saying, we're going to build, rebuild the semiconductor uh, base here. And I think that's going beyond. So more countries need to think about that to say we need to, uh, you know, band together and use the power of that union to force change and to say we, we won't buy these goods. You know, you can't have food commodities. You know, we uh, just to be more purposeful and to combine power and to say just as a moral stand, if nothing else, as a moral stand, we cannot we cannot tolerate what they're doing to their own people. And from the individual level, who might be like these people suffering for their faith thousands of miles away, so far away, what can they do to help? Yeah, so people outside around the world watching. Yeah, so for me as a believer, I would say first of all to pray. And that's not an, that's not an end answer, but it's a starting thing, to be concerned. And the other thing is that you've got to stay informed. So, you know, we always say come to persecution persecution.org. We'll show you what's going on with persecution around the world. So until you're aware, you don't know how to fight, you don't know what to do, and you're not awake. So first of all, people have to wake up and understand and study who is this regime, what are they, what do they stand for? Can you, uh, you know, can you support that on a personal level? Do you want to buy Chinese goods, you know, or should you should you say, I'm not going to, I, as a moral choice, I won't do it anymore. I think if, if people just made moral decisions like that, uh, that would force regime change over time. So uh, right now, Xi is th just the worst uh, actor, the enemy of democracy around the world, but he's not paying the price. And through bribes and trickery and oppression, he's getting away with murder, literally and figuratively. Um, but I think more people need, need to take a moral stand. And Jeff, any last words you'd like to add? Uh, yeah, I would say this. I would say this to the Chinese people and the Chinese Christians uh, that are in Taiwan or Thailand or the mainland or even scattered around the world, that regimes like this don't last. In history, 
it's what I said before. There is an insatiable desire for freedom. There is an insatiable uh, desire for God. These things cannot be quenched. And this regime will be an artifact of history, and it'll be looked, looked back on with shame and repugnance. And so we call out to God to say to, to open the doors, open the prison doors. So God is real. He will act. And nothing will stop the power of God and, and just those, the power for freedom and the power, the hunger for God. Those are, those are unstoppable forces, and they will win in the end. Jeff King, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tiffany. God bless. That was Jeff King, president of International Christian Concern. And in the first half, we heard from Inez Cantor Freedom, NBA basketball player turned human rights advocate. Thanks for watching China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer, and see you soon.